spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass for more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape. For the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label. Hi, it's Andian from Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one off podcast chatting to writers poets and artists. Over time it became monthly, then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on back to a more regular basis. To date I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast you can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp.com. Obviously now, to help me with the running costs this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can even do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk dot co dot uk enjoy the podcast take care bye spoken label hi guys andy n spoken label back in the house on a sunday evening and it's bloody freezing oh my god it's bloody freezing now i've got a fantastic writer with us today alice goodman alice is just bought a book out in the wonderful bentkey publishing and as sure you'll find out shortly has some interesting outlooks in life that's a good way of putting it alice really isn't it so <laughs> now I met you originally in November last year for the night I covered in Cholton Comhardy's Speakeasy, which I run with Amanda Nicholson and Steve Smythe. And I, me and Amanda loved Alice's work. So it made a natural progression to bring her on today to a spoken label. Now, Alice, start off with, as always, tell people obviously who you are, where you mm-hmm. should come from. Because I know you're living in Levin Gym at the moment. And yes. What starts off with your creativity? Uh, so, hi, I'm Alice, and I... As you may notice from the accent, I'm not originally from Lemons Hume. I'm from down south, mm. sort of the London, Kent, the smushy area in between London and Kent. Um, moved up to Manchester five, six years ago now and have never looked back. Don't want to don't want to go back down south. Thank you very much. Oh yeah, I can't blame and, you. I can't blame you. Yeah. I used to my second girl, second girlfriend actually came from 
her family was partly in Leighton, or first girlfriend, actually, I've got my years mixed up. She looked like family in Leighton and family in Tunbridge Wells. Ah, yes, Tunbridge Wells is very close to where I grew up. So, yeah, I know it. I'm, like I say, I, I love London. Don't really much want to go and live there again. Sorry. Sorry, Londoners. Um, but, uh, and I'm a poet. I, as you said, have just published a book with Benke Publishing, which is very exciting. Um, and yeah, I've been writing pretty much forever, um, but started to take it all a bit more seriously, maybe four or five years ago, and signed up to a open mic night kind of on a whim and was like oh god now I've got to write some poems okay then <laughs> oh brilliant brilliant no no fair play to you now it's one of those sort of things isn't it when you think when you we do those sort of things on a whim it you can sat you can laugh to sat there thinking oh what have I done <laughs> yeah I also will I kind of need a deadline to get me to stop tinkering with things I will be editing stuff until the second before I get on stage. <laughs> I, I'll be sitting there right before, like kind of scribbling words out and going, no, actually it should be the instead of a, and that kind of completely unnecessary. So I kind of need a really enforced deadline. Otherwise I'll keep rewriting the same thing a hundred times. This was actually something that was quite scary for me with publishing a book is the fact that once it's out there, I can't I can't do that last minute scribbling on it before I get on stage because it's it's a physical book that no one no one else gets to see those changes if I make them. So I've got to be happy with it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Right. We better talk about the book now anyway, because certainly your book itself is it's quite unusual, actually, approach book, because I really I really have enjoyed this book. But it's something I've not seen done before in poetry. And I'll mm. let you tell people why it's quite an unusual book. Yeah, I I think I always knew it was quite unusual when I started sending it out to places. And I was so grateful that um, Rebecca Benke kind of saw saw that it was what it was made of I suppose um it's called the book of seeing past the shadows which is sort of a play on a book of shadows which is um a witch's spell book and the poems in it are sort of spells they all come with a list of ingredients and some of those ingredients are a little bit esoteric and strange there they're sometimes like you will need human skin and silence and that sort of thing um yeah we'll give and, people an example here of this some of these are, are not recommended where if you go and look at the first poem ritual sacrifice or telling the truth yes the yeah that are an altar preferably somewhere public a knife metaphorical and the acceptance that you may or may not be understood yeah so it's <laughs> yeah that um that poem actually it's right at the beginning because for me it sort of sums up what the book is about which is um it's about me trying to be honest with myself and trying to tell the truth the whole point of this book is and the reason it's called the book of seeing past the shadows is it's mm. it's supposed to be about kind of getting to the truth of things and sometimes the truth of things is just understanding how it is that you actually feel about life and um 
I feel like sometimes we're so busy flying our way through life that we don't stop to think, how do I feel about this? Actually, what do I want to do? So uh, that was sort of why for me that poem was really important that it go first because it's like this big statement of like, this is what I'm trying to do here is like, just listen to me. These are the things I have to say. Yeah, no, you can see it's, it's, it's a fantastic intro to the book straight away. I think as well, we put in the list of ingredients at the top part of it. It's like it opens your eyes up straight away thinking, oh, that's a statement and a half straight away. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. obviously, tell us about the history. Why, what led you into doing your poems in this style? Because this is a very, I'm not, I don't like the word unusual, so it's not. It's a very individualistic. That's a good, that's a good word for me on Sunday night style straight away so yeah it's some of the poems actually existed before I settled on this as the style for what I was doing Mm. so some of the poems previously did not have lists of ingredients and were maybe slightly different and it was really when I started trying to collect things into into something that was a cohesive piece that and I was looking at them I realized sort of what I'd been doing without meaning to which was writing things that felt very paranormal and occult and mystical I always think I think it's a really interesting question when you talk to poets if you ask them sort of what are the images and ideas that you keep coming back to most writers Mm -hmm. will have their like I don't know almost like your own paint palette of the stuff that you like to to use when you're talking about things and mine are often just kind of weird spooky stuff because that's who I am (laughs) and so I realized that I'd written all of these poems with either really mythological or really occult kind of references so it just made so much sense for them to sit together as a spell book um so some some poems existed for months or even like a year without having this list of ingredients then ascribed to them. And some of them didn't, some of them I then knew this is how I'm writing and and started with the ingredients. So it's sort of, it was a, a kind of higgledy-piggledy way of putting it all together. But I think that's, especially for a first collection, I think that's often what people do. They're like, oh, what have I written then? Okay, cool. This is, I didn't realise I was making this, but I have. Yeah, I was like that my first book years ago, to be honest with you. I was like, it is, I treat it as a statement that this is who I am at the time. I mm. think I can see that in this, but it's also because what you've done is quite, is very individualistic straight away. And I think it does stand out actually really, really well. That's why. So did you realise that? What were you at? Was this actually planned to be a book at the time? Was it, or did it just kind of develop at its own pace and catch you out? There was a point where I kind of realised I really wanted a book, and I mm-hmm. and I knew I'd written enough to have one kind of thing. So I I started going through the stuff that I had to make it a book, but definitely at first I was just writing poems. Mm. And I think the pandemic had a lot to do with it as well, because prior to the pandemic, I was writing, like I said, I'd sign up to open mics and then be like, oh, I've got to write something. 
so I was sort of writing with the stage in my head as the the end goal was me standing and reading in front of people. And then when the pandemic happened, I started writing a lot more just to be read rather than to be performed. Yeah. And it really, it actually a lot more than I thought it would, it really changed the way that I wrote. And, um, and that's when I was like, actually, no, I really, this is, this is the time for me to have a book now because this is how I'm writing. I'm writing for other people to read. I think sometimes I know so many poets who are fantastic performers. You see them and you're like, this is incredible. And then you read their work and it's good, but it's good because you've heard them read it. So you're reading it in their voice and you know that if you weren't, it would it would still be very good, but it's not the same. And I think I was suddenly writing to be read on a page rather than for, to be performed. And it felt a lot more appropriate for a book. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you straight away with that one. There's, I think it's a fine line between performance poetry and performance and itself page poetry. It mm. does cross over, I think, sometimes, sometimes, but not always. So it's yeah, that's straight to it. And I get it completely with that and what we mean with that. So, yeah, how was your obviously? I've seen you read this, read a couple of these pieces out of speakeasy and stuff. Explain mm. to me then how it differs for you then when you're reading these poems out on stage. Then. Oh, I don't know. It just, I think I've, I've realized that as a performer, I'm quite a quiet performer and I don't think that's a bad thing, but I'm definitely not this kind of shouting, you need to pay attention to me now kind of person. And it's just the way that it's just what suits the poems, really. They're, they're quite thoughtful and they're quite, um, they, they they do just feel like quiet pieces that kind of deserve to be listened to and really thought about. No, and... you see, I think with you and you know, we had it speak easy, you had the audience in the palm of your hand because the mm. word parody, I always believe that. You can be some pieces you can shout, and I've, I've got it myself to answer you, but some pieces yeah. they're telling you and they want it done in a different way, aren't they, almost? Mm, I completely agree. And I used to be a teacher actually I used to be a secondary oh, yeah. school teacher I I'm gonna be honest I wasn't great at it I was I was <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't for me uh I'm not really scary enough to be a secondary school teacher but um I'd get sacked for punching the kids and I would <laughs> I mean there were times that I wished but no that's um <laughs> not, probably not something I should be saying it's not true I'm exaggerating it's been uh, like <laughs> it was something that I learned as a teacher that if you're shouting they don't always listen to you and sometimes if you get really quiet it kind of makes whoever's in front of you go oh something something different is happening and I think I kind of took that lesson with me onto the stage when I started performing hmm. uh, which I, I still love doing I know I said all of that about I started writing for the page instead of for performance. And I, I do think that's true, but I love performing. There's something really freeing about it. I can be quite a socially anxious person, but stick me on a stage in front of a bunch of people and I'm like, anxiety who? Never heard of it. I'm fine. You do. You do it's, it does strange things to you to go on stage sometimes. It was mm. like, certainly when I started performing, what, 15 years ago now, I was like you said, you said at the time, I was really quite socially awkward. 
And it's you get me on stage. It's so, it's like a trigger. It's like flicking in your head sometimes. It really is. And there, I think there's this real kind of barrier when you're on the stage. It's like, I'm here. Here's everyone else. No one's going to talk to me. So I can just do my thing. And I I do. I, I really enjoy it. I find it really interesting as well because I wrote this book and I hadn't actually performed that many of the pieces before I started then going out and trying to promote it a bit and people sometimes really respond to things differently than you think they're going to like poems that you don't think are that interesting are the ones that people go oh my god that piece that was incredible and um I love that I love being able to kind of see how things are landing with people yeah yeah no you do it's sometimes you can find me you go on stage and I've seen this happen to me before now where you go on stage and you get you can get the incredible reaction but it's the one that always sticks in my head sometimes when I've got one or two pieces where you go on stage and there's a line that makes an audience howl laughing. And you're sat there, <laughs> that wasn't wrote as a joke. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's one, there's a piece in my book that I think I will read later that when I wrote it, I was like, this piece is maybe a little bit trite and a bit cliched, but I kind of needed to say it. So I've written it anyway. And I didn't think it was that clever or or interesting. And that's the one that people have come up to me after performances and been like, that piece, that one's, I'm so glad you read that. That really resonated with me. And I'm like, wow, maybe it's not as trite. And maybe it's trite and cliche for a reason because people want to talk about it <laughs> I, I can't hear you Andy sorry yes sorry be a signal <laughs> sorry about that then signal <laughs> and it went muted me for some reason so anyway I don't what I was going to ask you then I was awesome yeah I've never liked directly addressing poems in books but the one I've my favorite in the collection was song to summon a storm because I loved all the references to broomsticks in that one as well. So mm. tell us, obviously, then, how this piece developed then, and how how you actually structured this as an example of your, of, your, of your spell poems. Yeah, so Song to Summon a Storm. There are a few pieces in the book that's sort of about anger and wanting to live a, a kind of authentic life, I suppose. And... Song to Summon the Storm sort of uses this, this correlation between an actual storm in the weather and this idea of like domesticity, like women sweep up and the the storm outside also sweeps up, those sorts of parallels. And um, so it sort of grew out of that. And I was trying to make all of these, these kind of mirrored parallel references and I actually think that's one of the ones in the in the collection that has the most structure I'm not a particularly structured poet I can't go off on all these tangents and get really caught up in my own metaphors a little bit it's called being um, a poet right? <laughs> yeah yeah but that one I realized I kind of had ended up in these kind of real finite chunks that the things I was trying to say kind of hide themselves up really well with the kind of correlation of being 
a a woman who is unhappy with your lot in life. I was imagining like these really unhappy 1950s housewives, like that sort of thing versus a storm outside on the street and how to how to draw those parallels. So I think there are three sections like sweeping, breaking and taking or something like that. Because I also thought about um, throwing a tantrum, throwing things around. And also this idea that like kleptomania is seen as such a female problem. It's, it's a really gendered issue. And and maybe why is that? Why is it that women feel like the lives that they have aren't really enough, I suppose? And also I just really like the idea of broomstick because it's a witchy collection. Are you on mute again? Yeah, I'm muting myself again. The signal's bouncing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know it's, it's you know what it's about. It's because because I've got I'm speaking to a witch on Zoom at the moment. All all these other witches in the world are pouring spells. <laughs> them, like, like, now, like gremlins yeah, oh, in the wires. Oh, definitely, it's most definitely gremlins tonight. Something. <laughs> it's Halloween about seven months early, I think. So <laughs> no, it's always my Halloween decorations are still up. I can oh, I can see them from here. I never took them down, so maybe it's my fault. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, the couple of things I want to touch on today, today now, obviously, before we can tell people where you can find your book and what plans you got for the future and stuff. But it's obviously, mm-hmm. you, you've got your own podcast going, haven't you, as well with two co-hosts. So tell us about this podcast or podcast next. Yeah, so we have a podcast called Queer Girl Film Club. It has been going for a little bit over a year now. Mm. We're um we've done three seasons they're quite short seasons and it's me my girlfriend and a friend of ours doing we call it the classics and not so classics of Mm. queer girl cinema um so it's essentially just we watch films about queer women and then we review them and we talk about them and uh I think it's very good (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's a, it's sometimes a difficult podcast to sell to people because if you are a queer woman, you're like, oh yeah, I know all the films you'll be doing. And if you're not, I'm like, have you heard of this film? And people are like, mm, no. But give, give um, we've a few done, examples then. Give us a few examples. So we've we've done um, episodes on Bound, Mulholland Drive, but I'm a cheerleader, Carol. We recently, and by recently, I mean yesterday went to go see the new Kate Blanchett movie Tar oh, yeah. and then immediately recorded our podcast on that, which actually my girlfriend is in the other room editing it as we speak. So that's <laughs> just inc- an incredible factory of podcasting happening right now. Um, so if, if you are interested in that, definitely go and listen. We're very good and very funny and very insightful. And, you can just scroll through the archives and if you've seen one of the movies and want to hear what we've got to say about it, then then go listen. That's good to me. But definitely, I'll be, I'll be checking it out, definitely, on that one. Because I'm always like, I do like hearing film, film talk podcasts, definitely. So, okay, now, the other thing I want to talk to you about today is, and this is something I came across before, and I, people always wonder when I do spoken label sessions, I, I do, do do a fair bit of research on people. And was mm-hmm. the video piece you did a couple of years ago for Blue Balloon, Blue Balloon Theatre. 
Rumba. Yes. That's a fantastic Rebecca Python over there. Now, you did a piece of that called Golf for a Walk, and it was me and Amanda mm. played it before me. Absolutely loved it we did. So I know it's different in sound tone to what you're doing now for you, which current book you've been keep publishing. But tell us about mm. this piece. Sir. So it was, I wrote it actually for, there's a night that happens in Manchester every I think it's every February called Reclaim the Night, which has been going for decades and decades. I think it is February, yeah. And it's about women feeling safe on the streets, basically, Um, because every time there's some sort of gendered attack against women, the rhetoric is always, oh, you should stay at home, you should be safe. And Reclaim the Night is a sort of reaction against that. Like, no, don't tell me to stay at home. You should be trying to keep us safe instead. So I wrote this piece to perform at Reclaim the Night a few years ago. And it's just one of those things that I feel like is really sadly relevant so often. And the basically the inspiration for the piece is that if you ask women, what would you do if there were no men around for a day? What would you do if men had a curfew and weren't allowed out? And they'll just say, oh, I'd go for a walk. I'd go for a walk outside by myself. Um, because it's something that never feels safe and I always wish it did so that was the inspiration for that piece and when Rebecca at Blue Balloon was asking for sort of videos I thought this would be really a really interesting thing to do and I sort of called on a lot of my friends to be like can you just take a video of your feet walking for a few steps so I can mash it up into this So most of the video is like people's feet recorded from above just walking. And that was my friends who've sent me videos of like 30 seconds. Like, I know this is really weird, but I promise it's for a reason. (laughs) It's very poignant to certainly with this one, actually. Because I played it about twice a day. And I love the way that you see all the steps walking up and down in it. It made it like it's every person, not just yourself. And a fantastic video, absolutely fantastic. It raises a very, very valid point, I think, straight away. So, well done. Okay, start winding down now because I want to give you plenty of time to read us some pieces within the second half. What plans do you have next for your creativity? I so actually, as much as I am primarily a poet, recently all I want to write is flash fiction. I think it's, you've sometimes just got to let yourself be taken where your creativity wants to take you. And uh, recently I've just been writing loads of like kind of weird horror flash fiction, um, which is also probably unsurprisingly, having spoken to me about my poetry, the fact that I love horror is probably not that not that much of a shock not much of a surprise though definitely what you've been saying (laughs) (laughs) so um I've currently been working on I don't even know what it is right now it's just a bunch of random horror (laughs) flash fictions I'm gonna try and find some homes for and I was thinking I might uh, rock up to like Ilaria's night just stories oh yeah tremendous night yeah I've done it twice. Something so. horrifying. I really like Hilarious yeah. Night. We do, we do, I've, we do. I performed at it once 
but um, because my poetry isn't exactly particularly narrative, it's always a bit of a struggle to pull something together that is a story. So I've done it once and I loved it, but I think they're probably the home for my really horrible little flash fictions. It suits me with my stuff there, because like I said, I've been, I've been on more last year or so, more flash fiction myself, to be honest with you. And mine just, as Amanda says, just most time it's just weird fiction, <laughs> as they call it. Flash fiction is flash fiction is like the perfect way for weird fiction to exist because you don't really need to resolve anything. You can just be like, here's some thoughts, here you go. And there doesn't need to be like a nice tidy conclusion, which I think is also why I like poetry. I always love the idea of writing a novel, but I'm not very good at a story. I just like kind of vibes and feelings. Yeah, yeah. No, I know you mean completely right. It's the same for me. I've got several incomplete novels dangling around. So I'm determined to get one of them done, maybe two. But we'll see. I, won't, uh, I, anyway. I have faith in you. You can do it. Maybe someday. Right? So, okay. <laughs> Wrap up this part, Alice, because we're going to be talking. Me, I know what I'm like, and I know what you're like. Sorry, <laughs> you're talking gibberish all night, if not careful. So we'll let you do, as I always term now, the hard sell. Where can people find you if they wish to read your stuff, get in contact with you, etc.? Yeah, um, the best place to find me is probably on Instagram. I do have a Twitter as well, but I'm never on there. Um, so on Instagram, I'm at Alice Godleman. Uh, you can buy my book from Benke Publishing. You can ask me questions about my book on Instagram and I will ask, answer them and tell you how amazing it is and the fact that you should buy it. You answer, <laughs> I always say you would answer any questions on your book within reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> within reason, yeah. Um, but yes, you should absolutely buy my book if you think it sounds interesting. And it is interesting. So I, I've loved it. it. It was a really good book. So with Thank that you. then... We'll take a quick break. Thank you, Alice. And hang around, everybody, because these poems are magnificent, okay? And very individualistic, as I've said several times already. I'll probably, probably pronounce it completely wrong, word wrong next time as well. But anyway, <laughs> see you all. <laughs> Two shakes of the dice. Spoken label. Hi, guys. Yes, Andy N. Spoken label. Back in the house. The fantastic Alice Goodleman. Straight over to Alice now. She's going to read out not one. I think, did we agree three, Alice, or have I, have I been shit for brains there? I think it was <laughs> we did anyway, agree three, yeah. Three, we agree three. So I'm getting old, so over to <laughs> Alice, and she's going to do three pieces of a fantastic book with Ben Key publishing. Uh, so, hi, I'm Alice. This is my book, the book of Seeing Past the Shadows, which is a book of kind of spooky spells as poems. And I'm going to start off with this one, which is called Spell to Say Goodbye. You will need breath to be caught, a cup of tea for healing, strong muscles for continuing on. It's the shock more than the pain. Like when you bump your head or slip down the last few stairs, thudding out Morse code as you go. It's the shock that pricks at your eyes and your lungs. Someone lets you down maybe in the way of a foothold you thought would hold firm that crumbles under its own fragility, not at fault. Or maybe in the way of an arm you thought would pull you up that instead pushes you down the mountain, absolutely at fault. But either way, you lie shocked, teary and breathless at the foot of a peak that you believed you had helped to climb. 
later, calm, eyes dry, testing your broken leg, only then do you feel real pain. Real injury without the cushioning jolt, those tears are fuller. Heavier, that's when you mourn. See, shock wears off, but pain will stay until you feel it. So you hold yourself. Drink tea for the loss and smooth arnica on the bruise. Set the bone as best you can. It might not be the same, but you'll still walk, climb, trust. Tear-sorted bathwater is also healing. You let it hurt. You'll be okay to climb again. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. Great start. Now, what I'm curious of this one is, Alice, because if people look at the collection itself, this one actually is about a third of the way through the collection. And mm -hmm. I noticed with this one straight away, people will review this. It's a spell to say goodbye. I might have been tempted to put this as the last piece in the collection, actually. What made you put I, it? I'm, I'm going to be honest. At, at a certain point, it was the last poem in the collection. Oh. You're not wrong. I have rearranged the poems a few times. And it just didn't feel right because although it's called a spell to say goodbye, it's it's more about continuing on after you've said goodbye. Um, the poem is inspired by what I've been calling a platonic heartbreak. Mm. I don't think people talk people talk a lot about romantic heartbreak. People talk a lot about breakups and as they should do, but people don't really talk about the fact that friendships are also really important relationships and that when they break down for whatever reason it can really really hurt and I had a really painful friendship breakdown a little over a year ago and it was really really difficult and I was like no one's no one's writing about this no one's talking about this and I am I'm really upset uh, so that was sort of what I wrote it about. And I realized that putting it at the end of the collection, it just didn't feel right. It just mm. didn't, it wasn't how I wanted to leave people feeling, I guess. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Like I said what you said there, it's played to me. He's like, it's, I think always say one poem, you're placing a book together, things can go in directions you don't expect sometimes. I don't get it completely. Anyway, mm. enough of the hard, hard boiled questions. More <laughs> back to you. This is called A Spell for Self-Acceptance, for Fullness. You will need scarves embroidered with the names of your good qualities. More than that, more scarves than you can count because you have more good qualities than you can count. Did you know? A case to fail to cram them into. The knowledge that this is exactly as it should be. She's full of herself, stuffed, like a good meal, like a full heart, like a bag, crammed with the useful detritus of life. Full like a glass, overflowing with optimism. She's full of herself because what else could she be full of? Not someone else crammed into spaces they don't belong, hard angles squashed and empty recesses cavernous. Like a shining bauble sat in a cardboard box, leaving eight pointed corners with no purpose. Wasted space in a Tetris game. So she fills herself with herself. 
And as she does, learns the curves of her own insides, she gets to know herself. She's full like a suitcase, scarves of her spilling out the sides, zip straining, like Pandora's box before it was opened, like a capsule machine in a toy shop, tiny plastic spheres, each containing herself in miniature, like a crowded theater, every seat holding herself, holding her own hand, entranced with her own theatrics. She's full of herself. Thank you. Great stuff again, that one. I love the reputation of she's full of herself there. It's like it gives it, I think there's always a danger when you do, you do repetition and pieces, you can overdo it. I thought that was tremendous. And he pitched a character really, really well there, it did. Thank you. I think the point of the poem is like this phrase that we use to say someone's full of themselves. It's really to try and make you think about what it really means, which is why I wanted to repeat it so much. Because what yeah. it means, it kind of doesn't mean anything. So repeat it until the phrase loses meaning or changes meaning. Seemed sensible. Yeah, I also like if you look at the ingredients on this, and I don't want people to see the ingredients because I think it's a part of the piece itself. I love the reference of scarves embroidered with the names of your good qualities. And I thought, oh, and that itself is a great image in the, that's the <laughs> ingredients of the, the piece itself. So mm. I like, I wanted the ingredients, although they are separate to the poem, I sort of also wanted them to be part of the poem. They're still supposed to be poetic I I suppose for want of a better term they're still supposed to be nice to read it's not like the recipe ingredients list yeah yeah of course straight away I'm saying completely that brilliant okay on to the big finale now back to you Alice this is spell for midwinter light I realize we're a little bit outside of December now but just pretend you will need sugared fruit, a fir tree, candles and fairy lights. December. Light flees from outside, barely stays long enough to press its nose against frosted windows like a cold child soon whisked away. The sun stays so low we can still see the moon at midday, offering her light to us as if to say, here, can I help? December finds me inviting inside pieces of light. See, if light was like water, we'd bottle it. As we saturate winter food in spices grown in tropical climes, cinnamon, cloves and nutmeg, or coal and clementines. Tiny suns snuggled in a stocking or candles. Tiny fires on every cold surface or her pan of mulled wine on the stove. December, where we could mourn the sun setting at 3pm, but then find late afternoon light kept under blankets or reflecting from the sink. Find light in arms circling warmth from behind as I lie half asleep or stand washing two plates, two forks. We stay inside, she brings light inside. Even as my eyes roll like the sun that circles low to the horizon at a bad joke told well. 
but my chest feels warm and tight like hot summer sand underfoot, sand so warm it might turn molten like a glass ornament. December brings fire inside, crackling or wick confined. It brings golden glass ornaments hung from boughs evergreen and drenched in light as if we might, pining. Remember the sun is still out there somewhere. Even stored in mincemeat and ginger and candied orange peel, the jewels that can only come from warmth. So I taste the sunlight in your mouth. You eat memories of heat, the promise that summer will come again and will find us still as pine trees and hollies stay green year long. I taste you, imagine sugar and sunshine. December, the birds fly south and I sometimes wish I could do the same, but we stay here where I fly to a different south. Yours, sugared, warm. Thank you. Oh, I do love that piece. Yeah, it's one of my favorite. Again, it's one of my favorites in the collection on Straight Away. I love the way you've got it done at the end there. It was like a letter at the end of it. And it gives it that sort of, <laughs> it's quite an individual flavor there. No, it's brilliant. Really, really, I think you do somewhat midwinter there, straight away with that beautiful stuff, Alice. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I like I say, I know you said this episode's coming out in February, but it will still be cold. The, the poem will still be relevant. <laughs> I, I get the feeling the way it's going, it'll probably be cold in bloody April the way it's going this year in a minute. So, <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just looking time. forward to it being still being light after 5pm. It'll be so nice whenever that happens. <laughs> Sooner the better. Anyway, we'll wrap up this part again anyway, Alice. And just people are watching is exclusive in TikTok particular. Where where can people get your book from again? Uh, so you can buy my book from BenQPublishing.co.uk. They are the publishers. It is called The Book of Seeing Past the Shadows. Also have a look at the other books that Benki published because they're all brilliant, but especially mine, obviously. Make sure you buy Alice's first of all, particular, right? So <laughs> anyway, and Alice. First, and then the others. <laughs> hang around, of course. We've got more to chat about here. Non-relation spoken label. It's been a pleasure today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care, guys and girls. See you all. As Don Callis in Pat Reston says, next time. So stay safe and stay on. Spoken later.